Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KHS 1220 and 98.1. Well, every Thursday since January 2017, that's almost six and a half years, we have the Ask Brian Radio Show every Thursday, 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And each week, we have a show called the Ask Brian. Ask Brian, people don't know why Ask Brian is spelled with an E. And so for that, we actually brought on our co-host, Tracy, who's going to try to help people understand why Ask Brian is spelled with an E, because she tells me when she was in school, everyone that she knew named Brian was B-R-Y-A-N or B-R-I-A-N. She didn't understand why my name being Peter, why it's called the Ask Brian Show. So we're going to try to figure that one out. So let's see if we got any answers here. Tracy, yeah, are you there? I am all, all about trying to solve that mystery. And we do have some really good examples of why Ask Brian is spelled with an E and no good examples of why you're named Peter. And the show is called Ask Brian. So we're just going to skip over that one. Well, so don't we forget are- that Peter has two E's. Peter does have two E's, and that's the only <laughs> logical thing that, that connects the dots. But there are a lot of reasons that we emphasize the E's in Ask Brian. And the first, which I will never make the mistake of not making this first again, is our fantastic engineer. <laughs> that's way too much applause. Way too much applause. <laughs> But just stick by that button because we have more things to apply coming up, I'm certain. Um, but the other thing, so of course it's our engineer, but it's also the fact that we utilize this show as a platform for education. And education is incredibly important so that you can, as a person who is starting a business, as an entrepreneur, really hopefully we can help you shortcut that learning curve and make your business grow faster. So education for the entrepreneur, hands down, big two biggies. <laughs> Did you buy a vowel? This is the Wheel of Fortune. I, Did you buy two vowels? That's going to cost you twice because you got the entrepreneur and you have education. So that's two E's, that's 250 each, that's oh 500 bucks. Let's go. Can you just put it, can you please put it on my bill? Um, which I realize is like way past due at this point, but that's okay. Um, Let's not get personal now, go ahead. Exactly, make that personal name. Um, <laughs> and then we couldn't do any of this, literally could not do any of this if it wasn't for our experts. And we have a little formula about what defines an expert, but you on the Ask Brian show get to hear lots of great information, insights, tips, and stories from experts and how we define it and a universally accepted mathematical formula, if you will, is that to be an expert in your industry niche or category, you have to invest a minimum of 10,000 hours to really be considered an expert. And that math works out in typical form to be working an average of 40 hours a week, take a couple weeks off, and then if you do that 40 hours a week over 50-ish weeks, and you're looking at a five-year 
curve of becoming an expert, but we all know, and our experts concur and agree, that no startup, no new business person, no new entrepreneur is going to be working 40 hours a week. They're going to be working twice that. So we think it's probably more of like a three-year curve to get you to that 10,000 hours. Wouldn't you agree, Peter? Well, I absolutely would agree, but the only thing I would say is successful. If you want to be successful, then you need to have those 10,000 hours. I guess, you know, if you have 2,000 hours and you want to, you know, try to sell, uh, you know, sour cream on the radio, I guess you can, but you're probably not going to be successful because you don't have any <laughs> background. Oh, my God. No one wants to buy sour cream from the radio. <laughs> so I, I'm surprised it's not being sold by Amazon. If you had 10,000 hours, I still don't think you'd be successful. But, yes, you're right. And that brings me to our another E which is all about the energy that we bring into this process. And one of the things that you like so much about energy is being... Enthusiastic! (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we are not short on enthusiasm on the Ask Brian show. That is 100% certain. And, And I think positive energy, enthusiasm is absolutely... Most important in terms of emotional characteristics, but not as important as empathy, because empathy, if you don't have empathy, you really can't just make it as a human. So we really think empathy is important. Well, and another note on that empathy was if we were really empathetic, we would have told our guests that we're going to be screaming like that, and maybe he could take out his microphone or earphone and not have it right in his ear, so we probably made him deaf. But, you know, we'll talk about that empathy when we get into our story with our guest. Well, and I also have to tell you that I gave him a heads up, and I think he even muted us, so I don't think we even have to worry about it. (laughs) Well, when we call him and we ask him a question, he goes, I can't hear you because we made him deaf. You know, we'll find out. Exactly. All right. Well, I mean, I think we're down to our last one, which is my favorite. Well, besides grease lightning is... Electrifying, because we are electrifying on the Ask Brian radio show. So just a couple of notes for the people that have never listened to the show, because everybody else has already listened to the show. We have a couple of these, like excitement. We use that in energy and enthusiasm, but we never use the word excitement. And she used the word E as entrepreneur, which is part of the show, but she didn't technically separate that out. And as an attorney, you know I'm going to pinpoint this issue. you're so precise about things. <laughs> details, you know, details, I mean, details. Details, 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 yeah. And the show must go on, so here we are with our guest, Matt. Matt, are you there? I'm here. Cool. And we haven't lost you. Wow. All right. So where's the ding, ding, ding? Clap, clap something. Come on. Uh, all right. That's for, that's for staying on listening to what we said. <laughs> so. Matt, before we get into the, the current company that you're working at, people want to understand what your background is, what your experience is, and we know you have a little bit more than 10,000 hours, but let's go over a little bit about your background, So, and we're not starting you know, with third grade, all right? So, yeah. you know, exactly. In your professional career, you know, go over some of the accomplishments, some of the things that you've done in the past before you got to this recent product and company. Sure, happy to do that. And actually, the things you guys have talked about just leading into this have got me excited to talk about my career because all these e-words you're using are like foundational things I've discovered to making me happy and actually what's made me, whatever success I've had has kind of been tied to those e-words that you've mentioned. Yeah, I got out of college uh, 25 plus years ago, got into 
medical technology, kind of the technology field in Silicon Valley, kind of operational, answering phones to do tech support, installing software programs, uh, you know, healthcare systems and hospitals. And midway through my career, I just kind of, you just got this kind of sense that I wanted to do something different and be more engaged with people, you know, kind of travel a little more. And my personality kind of lent itself more to kind of salesy type things. Even though I had a family of three children at the time and honestly a lot to lose in my career, uh, my wife encouraged me to bet on myself and take a big risk and help start a small technology company as our sales guy. Uh, it was myself and two engineers. And it was really do or die. Like, I really just had to go make it happen. Or six months from then, the company wasn't going to be around. And I think there was a lot of luck, but there was also a lot of energy, enthusiasm, and excitement, and a ton of empathy, which to me, empathy is like everything with sales, but also just success in business and life. And that company did extremely well, and we sold it. And I launched a consulting business for about the last eight or nine years, semi-retired, for two years, and then this past January, I decided yeah, I'm just I'm too young. I have too much energy, enthusiasm, and excitement to be retired. So uh, I'm now the CEO of a company called Beyond Pulse, which I'm super excited to be part of. So first of all, tell us what Beyond Pulse is. I mean, you know, is it beyond my heart rate or what? Yeah. Actually, that's exactly what the name refers to. So it's a wearable technology, and a lot of wearable technologies do measure heart rate. It's kind of their primary thing. We go beyond that. So we, we measure heart rate for people, uh, primarily athletes, and that's kind of a loose definition when I say athlete. By that, we mean any child or young adult who's engaged in activity. So that's how we would define athletes. And not only do we measure heart rate, but we measure a bunch of other things with the intention of making being active more enjoyable for the person, whether they're, it's an 8-year-old child or a 17-year-old highly competitive soccer athlete, which is I'm at a soccer tournament right now, and a lot of the teams here are wearing our belts. But that's not really our focus. What we really want to do is focus on the young kids who are learning that I think I like being active, but I also like being on screens. But, man, this being active is fun. And we're aiming to help them continue to enjoy being active and to give teachers and coaches some tools to encourage them to enjoy it in a way that really hasn't been available before. So I don't know much about your business, and I'm hopefully it's not too far off, but is there any way to gamify all this data to try to make it, you know, for the kids and for the people to say, wow, you know, like even frequent flyer miles for me on my credit card, right? I mean, that's a gamification concept. Have you thought about that, and does that apply to your product? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. The key is to not overdo it because I think, you know, 10, 15 years ago, gamification was the buzzword. And so everybody gamified everything and then it lost a lot of its meaning or, you know, impact. So, yeah, so we, you know, we've been in, the company's been around for four years. So there's product in the market. We learned a lot way before I came on board. So there are some gamification elements for sure, but they're pretty subtle. But, yeah, they're meant to help kids want to keep coming back and using the product. So let's go a little bit over the product itself, right? So the product is, I mean, you and I discussed this yesterday, but for the audience, what exactly is this product? Yeah, so it takes some initial readings, which is, say, your resting heart rate, and then it starts to track over about a one-week period, however active you are. Uh, you'll, you'll put it on, like, when you're going to go to, say, PE class. You know, if you're in school, that's an armband that measures some things. 
or if you're going to practice and you put on a, basically a belt around your chest, which is like a heart rate monitor, it starts to just develop a baseline for you. So it gets to know you, like here's what your resting heart rate is, here's you running hard, here's, you know, how long it takes your heart rate to come down after you've run hard, all these things. So there's kind of a, like kind of a, a template for who you are. And then all of a sudden it starts to recognize, hey, you're actually getting better at these things. Like, you know, you're running more during the 60-minute session, you're doing more, your heart rate's recovering quicker, or the opposite. You know, you're doing less, you know, you're getting less out of this time where you're supposedly going to be active. But it's really reflective of the individual, not just some generic number. Like, with most wearables, a coach or a teacher will just say, hey, I see this student isn't running as much as this other student. Hey, the student who's running more, you're awesome. You know, and they get lots of congratulations. But what we try to do is say, hey, we want to appreciate progress. You know, not every kid's going to be the fastest kid in the class or be the most active, but they can be 5% more active or, you know, faster next week or next month. And let's appreciate that because we want to appreciate effort, which is, to me, of all your easy said, effort is like without effort, you know, what is there? So we want to give coaches and teachers really only, one of the only ways to recognize effort. Like, you know, this child's trying, they're getting better, and let's, let's give them kudos when we can. So where does this data go? You know, for instance, you're getting this data, right, about your heart rate and all this other information and these stats. I mean, are they going to the iCloud? Are they going to somebody's iPhone? Or are they going to a, a Galaxy or to a desktop? Or where does this data go? Yeah, that's a great question. So, yeah, it goes to our database in the cloud. And then if parents have signed up for the app, you know, they'll get, you know, after PE classes, it, well, it depends on how it's set up. But out of the box, right when the session's done or its class is done, an email goes out and says, here's how, you know, Susie or Johnny, they just finished PE. Here's how active they were. Here's how that fits into the relation of the class. Um, or after, say, it's soccer practice, same thing. The parent can get the feedback or the player can get the feedback. But we think, most importantly, the leader, whether that's a coach or a teacher, gets all the feedback of each individual, as well as here's how the class or team did in this session, and here's how that child compares to the, you know, the team or the class. And it can be on a phone or it can be on a computer, anywhere. It's web-driven. What about like a health alert, right? So, you know, uh, my normal resting heart rate is 62, and I'm at 190. <laughs> I'm probably in something's going on. <laughs> and it might not be just running down the street after somebody, but... Uh... <laughs> Are there alerts and things of that nature yeah. health-wise? There aren't because we, we are not tracking it real time. So we capture all the data in the device until the session ends. And once it's done, the teacher will say, okay, class is over. Stop the session on their phone or their iPad. And then it will take all the data from the class. And at that point, we recognize, you know, we get all, everything in and we can look at the data. And how do you market this? So we have a lot of partnerships. We're really big in the soccer world. The, the guys who founded this company, myself included, are very passionate about soccer. So we started with connections. We have partnerships with some of the biggest clubs and organizations in the world when it comes to youth soccer. Then we just do a lot of, you know, outbound calls, outbound emails. Our name, you know, we sponsor teams, whatever we can think of to get our name out there in the soccer world. And now we're looking to expand well beyond that. Without going over your uh, marketing secrets, where do you plan on going next or, or where – Beyond soccer, are you in other areas? Tennis? I don't know what. Pickleball? Yeah. Pickleball, yeah. We've definitely got an interest in pickleball. <laughs> so we work with a lot of universities as well. 
some mostly soccer teams, but we have, I think, about 10 university Division I uh, basketball teams that use us. So basketball seems like a natural fit for us. We have some volleyball teams who use us, uh, even a baseball team. So, yeah, it's really just we're not a, lot, a huge company, so we don't have unlimited resources. So we are trying to decide where next. But with our new product, which is called the Flow Band, which is just getting released now, that's where we have a bunch of school systems lined up to start using it. And we see that as really where we want to focus in the long term, which is getting into, you know, the classrooms and letting PE teachers, physical education teachers, have a tool to really encourage kids to, to get the most out of that time they have together at school. And what price range are you at? You don't, you don't need to tell me exactly dollar amount, but I'm just trying to figure out, are we, in, you know, to have this product on a monthly basis, not the actual equipment itself, but on a monthly basis to have the Wi-Fi and the app, whatever we're talking about, $1, $10, $50 range? Yeah, so basically the model we have right now is you buy the hardware, and we, it comes to you, and that includes two years of software. So depending on how many you're buying, you know, the, the prices go up and down, but then after two years is an annual software licensing fee, which for the what we would call the elite product, which is the belt that goes around your your chest, that's $40 a year per device. And then for the flow band, which goes into, you know, the younger children, we think between the age of 8 and 12 and, like, in PE classes, that's $10 a year for the software. And do you see this going beyond athletes? athletes? I mean, once you start to capture the market, do you have a vision of where you think you're going to go next, or, or is that secret or what? No, not secret. We really want to get into, I mean, the U.S. and Canada are our big markets right now, but we have a lot of demand from all around the world, which you can imagine it being into soccer. You know, everybody plays soccer everywhere. But really, PE classrooms, um, one of our advisors of the company is the chief of cardiology at a hospital in Los Angeles, and he has all these ideas about, you know, when people are, have cardiac events, you know, after, after those events occur, this might be something nice to give them, you know, so they can measure their progress in a really proactive and positive way. So we may go down that road. Wow, that's very interesting. And right now, our co-host, Tracy, is going to do something that she's never, ever done before. It's called Pivot. Well, I don't know what that means, uh, but uh, we'll figure that out soon. Uh, I pivot all day, every day. But <laughs> I'm glad you actually set us up with that word because that is actually what we are going to talk to Matt about because what, he's got a really interesting story with, Beyond Pulse, because he was not the founder of the company, which are typically a lot of our interviews are with the founder and the founder slash CEO. But you, Matt, are the CEO, and you were hired and brought in to the company. Is that correct? Correct. Yep, on January 1st of this year. And can you give us some backstory on what was part of that journey as the company? We heard a lot about your personal journey, but I'd love for you to share what was the journey of the company prior you coming on, and why is your role as CEO so definitive in the success of Beyond Pulse? Yeah, and I'm not sure my role is that definitive, if I'm being honest with you, but yeah. That, the <laughs> we board, consider it definitive. <laughs> we consider it definitive. Okay. Definitive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so the company was actually started about four years before I came on board. At least the idea was hatched by a few guys who were really passionate about soccer, and they were coaches. And they were seeing that, you know, parents weren't getting out of the soccer experience. You know, youth soccer is huge. It's expensive. They weren't getting 
everything they were hoping they'd get out of it. And sadly, they were seeing that kids were, a lot of kids were falling out of love with the game, which we all love, myself included. And so it made them sad, and it started, they started to think, you know, what kind of technology could we develop to maybe help the parents stay more in touch, get more for their dollar, and make the kids stay in love with the game? And so that's where Beyond Pulse grew from. And honestly, and I don't think anybody would mind me saying this, for three and a half years after that, it was mostly run and by soccer guys, whose most of their experience was around soccer, not a, not a ton of business experience. And the upside of that was that we've grown this amazing network of coaches and teams, and we have a zillion customers in the soccer market, but there's a whole business side that doesn't have anything to do with soccer. That's just the business stuff with regardless of what your market is, you know, the accounting, the customer service, all that other stuff that, you know, you just have to do. And so I'd say they got a little behind on that. And coming into Q4 of last year, which is when I met a couple of the founders here, Q4 of 2022, they realized, like, hey, we're actually really in a bad place. Like, we have a lot of customers. Our revenue stream's pretty good for as small of a company as we are. But our, you know, our business is just not structured the way it needs to be to continue, let alone to grow. And so, luckily, I mean, it was a great meeting because the consulting business that I'd grown over the past eight years was essentially working with early-stage companies to structure their business, particularly to focus on sales out of the gate, but really just structure their business so it could scale. And so it kind of was a perfect thing. And I love soccer. I love technology. I love the team that's here. And so when we started, I didn't do anything that I think, it, it was nothing spectacular. There was nothing about me I don't think that was particularly unique other than I've been involved with a lot of startups. So I've made a ton of mistakes and I've learned what works. And, you know, simple systems, you know, do the same thing every day, you know, like you invoice this way, you, you know, handle customer service this way, you do sales this way. It's not the, the most exciting things to do, but it's just like the day-to-day -day routines and discipline. That's what I brought, I would say. We have the exact same team. We had, nobody's left, thank God. And we haven't really hired anybody new, but our results are, I mean, February, we, we were up 367% in our revenue, and we've been close to 100% revenue growth every year since January. That's fantastic. And one of the things that I just want to point out, I mean, your humility is very lovely, and I absolutely appreciate it. But there's something about this that I want to point out to people, and I think this is especially important in the business development space, like you were saying, bringing, like, really coaching entrepreneurs around the sales area. It's like, when you were really good at something, you make it look easy. So when you were saying to the effect of, like, there wasn't anything maybe that you felt like was outstanding or that you felt like that you were bringing that was something that was a big aha, but that is because, and we were talking at the very beginning of the episode, which we do every episode, about how you've invested multiples of 10,000 hours in the sales and business development space, which is typically very difficult for entrepreneurs. Typically, founders are creative and innovative and cutting edge, but the sales side of things, when you're really, really good at sales, you make it look like it's easy, and it feels easy to you because it is something that you're really good at. But for a lot of people, and I would say venture out to say the majority of people, the sales and business development, as critical it is to the success of a business, is very, very hard for some people to get their heads wrapped around and their skill set wrapped around. So I think based on that, what you have been able to bring to them in a focus on sales and business development is a huge contribution because it's just not every in everybody's wheelhouse, right? 
Yeah, totally. Totally. And especially, I think your point about the founders, they're so excited about their product. So they just, they just want to talk about the product, which who knows if the person buying cares about the product in the same way you do, right? So understanding what they want to, what they care about and then actually selling to that, I think is, it's a minor kind of way of thinking of it. But yeah, I think founders sometimes struggle with, with seeing it that way. Well, and I think, too, like, and this was just a small part of your story that you shared, and I'm, I'm taking that out of context because I think it's important for our listeners who are just starting businesses to hear, and that is, is that focusing on business development and sales out of the gate is something that, you know, I will have to say as a business owner, I mean, I've owned Producer Podcast now for eight years, and there is a window of time where I focus so much on our systems and our back-end operations because I was so concerned that we would have this influx of business and we wouldn't be able to provide the customer service that I really wanted for our clients. And now, as a teachable moment, I say to people, like, focus on hire someone for business development if you can, as soon as you can, or focus on sales because we built our business for the better part of six years on referrals, which was amazing because our systems were so good. But I can, in retrospect, I realized, like, if I had had a person focus on sales, we could probably even be in a more successful place than we are now. Let's talk about, from your consulting experience and working with other startups and entrepreneurs and your own self, how important is it to get into the business development and sales space from coming out of the gate? And how best can entrepreneurs do that? Yeah, I mean, that's a hard thing because when you're building a product, you know all of its flaws. And I think most entrepreneurs, until like every flaw, which, you know, you never get to that state that they're all fixed, you think, okay, I got to fix this before I can show this to the world and start going to get customers. The reality is, is if you find the right customers and are honest with them, it's a great way to build a relationship and say, hey, here's where we are, here's where we're going. If you want to be along for the ride and give me feedback on it, you know, and help us build this product that's going to help us and it's going to help you because you're going to get more of the product that you want, you know. And for me, that's such a huge part of it. And most entrepreneurs always want to wait. They just want to keep waiting. And really, I don't even think of it as sales. I think of it as you're looking for partners who will pay you money because they see value in what you're doing, but they're partners who are also going to give you feedback. And as long as you're up front with people about that, like, there should be no fear about going out there to sell your product. And I think, too, it's just like I feel like sometimes for a lot of people who maybe didn't come up in a sales background like you did and I did, that it just is a little bit intimidating to get over that hurdle. So let's talk about if you're not the person who is going to be the person selling, how do you go about building a team of, of sellers, especially in today's remote work environment and digital landscape? What are some of the ways that building sales teams are, and helping with that business development piece is maybe something new and fun or just a solid strategy that you can recommend? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I've done it multiple times with a bunch of teams and even just teaching entrepreneurs how to do it themselves. For me, it comes back to a few things. The first is, most of what I do is metrics-driven, so it is boring. Nobody wants to look at numbers. You know, startups are supposed to be exciting, and, you know, you're just making it up as you go is what people think. But what I've discovered is the successful ones say, hey, here's some ways we're going to measure ourselves, and we're going to hold ourselves accountable to those metrics. And in sales, a lot of times that has to do with outbound effort, whether that's emails, calls, whatever it might be, you know, asking somebody on LinkedIn to connect with you, hey, do you know somebody, whatever it is, just 
but there's got to be some metrics around it because in sales, there's definitely the highs, but there's a lot of lows where, you know, you have days where nobody's returning your calls, you're not getting the answers you want. And if you're just focused on the metrics, you say, hey, if I, I know I need 100 calls or whatever, emails, whatever, to get a sale or to get five sales, every time somebody doesn't give me the response I want, check that off my list, and that's one step closer to the 100 I know I need to do to get what I want. And so that's so important. And me- having a way to measure that, if you're not a- actually measuring it, then you, you don't, never see an end in sight. You just focus on the failure. You don't see, appreciate your successes. So that's just so important. And then asking the team and the people who will be doing the selling, what do you think these metrics should be? Like not imposing them on them and saying, hey, because I've done this somewhere else, it's going to work here. Like help it, letting them help you build the process so they're invested in it. And hey, this isn't me telling you how it is. This is what you thought would work. And we know it's not going to be right. You know, we're going to have to amend this as we go. So Nobody's going to be upset with you if it doesn't work the first time out of the gate. But three months from now, we want to have a system that we feel really comfortable. This is this really works. And going into that into it with that approach versus trying to just tell somebody, "Here's how you sell. Do this." I found it works a lot better. So, do you not share the tire story mod, business motto that you just shared off the mic? Because I think everyone needs to hear this. <laughs> Sure, sure. And I'm going to do a promo for a tire company right now, basically. So, um, <laughs> do I get a discount? The oh. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I hope we all do. But honestly, their service is so good, you feel good paying them because you know you're getting your money's worth. So, yeah, there's this company called Les Schwab Tires, too. I'm not a car guy. I try to invest as little in my car as I can, honestly. But I've had so many good customer service experiences with them over the years. And they have a sign in their, their building when you come in that says, Our business is earning your trust. And, oh, my God, it was it really was amazing interacting with them and seeing that sign. And in my business life, I've tried to bring that everywhere I go. And at the On Pulse, I think they thought I was crazy the first few weeks I was here, but I said, really, our business is not selling hardware. It's not selling software. Our business is earning the trust of our customers. And, you know, we had some hard decisions to make when I first came on. You know, we were in kind of some financial distress, I would say, even though from the outside, I mean, it looks like we're doing great. We're closing new business all the time, but we had a lot of things to work out. And so a lot of questions I had to answer and talk to the team about. And at the end of the day, I told them, if the decision we make is going to help us build trust with our customers, then the answer is yes. If it's not going to help that or it's going to hurt that, then the answer is no. And it made our decision-making so easy. And it really just comes down to that question, you know. We believe our business is earning your trust, and whatever that means, it means. And, yeah, we go from there. Uh, I love that so much. Okay, so if people want to continue the conversation with you around any of your business development strategy, the product itself especially, the product is so great, Beyond Pulse, um, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you? Yeah, the best way would be to go to our website, which is Beyond Pulse, B-E-Y-O-N-D, Beyond, P-U-L-S-E, like your heartbeat, beyondpulse.com. And we try to make it extremely easy on that website to get a hold of us. So there's all sorts of buttons you can click on to reach us. Sounds fantastic. And if you are driving, you couldn't write that down, and you just want to go back and listen to all the good nuggets in this episode, don't forget about our podcast. And, of course, it is the Ask Brian podcast. That's B-R-I-E-N, the Ask Brian podcast. And you can find it on all your favorite listening platforms, and that includes 
Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Pandora, SiriusXM, all of all of the platforms. So check us out, download our podcast, share it with your friends, give us a five star review, and just let us know how much you like it, and we'll keep bringing it to you, Peter. So we have about one minute left, and Matt, the question of the day is: What is the most important lesson that you've learned for success besides the trust issue, which I actually do love? But what is the most important thing that somebody needs to have to be successful? Wow. I actually felt like a little emotional when you asked me that question. I didn't have it for so long in my career. Really, truly not being afraid to fail, knowing that when you look back on your life, you know, you wanted to say you gave it your best effort and make parts go where they may. And that's, to me, the best lesson is don't be afraid of failure. It's part of the process. Just go for it. Awesome. Thank you very much. Great show. Really glad to have you. We'll have you back, Matt. Thank you very much. Tracy, thank you very much. Unfortunately, we have to go. My tears are coming. Over and out. <laughs> Ask Brian. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you, thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian radio show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit AskBrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's AskBrien.com.